Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Before we begin, we want to invite you to check out our Litany of Loretto film. The Litany of Loretto is also sometimes called the Blessed Mother's Litany, and in this film, we feature both Marian artwork here at the shrine and the stained glass windows in the basilica that were inspired by this litany. In this film, you will also learn about Mother Seton's love for the Blessed Mother. You can find it on Facebook. Now here's Father Ted. Our first reading today, we heard this little excerpt from the Acts of the Apostles. And in this first reading, we have these 3,000 people who convert to Christianity. It's like the first homily. It's on account of the first homily which was ever preached in Jerusalem by one of the apostles, St. Peter. 3,000 people came to believe in our Lord that day. And it's incredible, especially when you consider where these 3,000 individuals were coming from. Just a couple weeks earlier, the crowds of Jerusalem had demanded the death of Christ. Now Peter stands up and he tells them about Christ. It says he preaches Christ to them. He proclaims him as the Savior. And then he says that you, the people of Jerusalem, have crucified this Christ. And it says they are cut to the heart. And then they ask Peter, what must we do to be saved? And Peter explains, you must repent, you must change your lives, you must receive worthily the sacraments, be baptized. And they come into the fold, they become part of the flock of our Lord. And this is a story which perhaps we've heard before, we might be very familiar with even. And on account of that familiarity, we might accidentally overlook one of the more essential aspects of it. That is to say, the grace of God that worked this conversion, the, the grace of God had to have worked this conversion because it wasn't as if these people just were spontaneously walking around the marketplace and made up their own minds to suddenly convert to the Lord. No, this was the grace of God acting. But the grace of God did not come to these people and convert them by itself. Rather, the grace of God reached these people, these 3,000 individuals, through the mediation of the apostles. They were the channels, if you were, of the grace of God. They were the ones who brought the word of God to these people. And that was the reason why they were all able to convert. God works through messengers. This is a reality we see throughout scripture, throughout salvation history. We've probably experienced in our own lives that there was a person or an event that brought us to our Lord. So God will always be using other people to bring men and women to himself. He uses messengers. Now this idea is something which perhaps we're familiar with. You know, we've heard before, you know, God will tell us things. He will tell us a certain set of truths that we ought to believe in. He will tell us a certain way of life that we are to follow through other people. But if you think about it, it's a very countercultural kind of idea. The culture that we currently live in now can be defined and has been defined by the popes, by Pope Francis, by Pope Benedict, as a dictatorship of relativism. Relativism. Relativism is a worldview that just permeates the society in which we live in. We ourselves probably even think along these lines without even realizing it. What is relativism? 
Relativism is that worldview that makes you think that there is no such thing as objective truth, that there is no right or wrong, there is no good or bad. It's just personal preferences or you know, perspectives, we can say. Nobody's wrong. You know, I'm Catholic, but you're Hindu, and that's okay. We should just get along. Or I believe abortion is murder, you believe abortion is a right, but that's fine. Let's just try and make things work together. You know, we don't have to like be confrontational about this after all. We shouldn't be intolerant. These are maxims, sayings, phrases of relativism. But when God sends messengers to earth with particular messages saying that you should live in this way and not that way, and you should believe this and not that, we're saying that relativism is wrong, that it does matter what you believe in. It does matter a lot the way you live as well. God is not just sending messengers to give us another opinion or another possibility. He doesn't just tell us what we are to do as advice, like, well, if you want, you shouldn't kill anybody. If, it, if you feel like it, don't steal or don't commit adultery. Like, I, I, I don't, I, God, don't. But, you know, I'm telling you guys, you shouldn't either. But if you, if you want to, you know, be free. You know, no, no, God doesn't work that way. If he tells us to do something, it is something we have to do and we have to believe in. And when we do believe in this message that God sends us through other people, we're at the same time saying we don't believe in everything which is contrary to that message. That's very countercultural to say that somebody else is wrong because they are disagreeing with the message from God. But it makes all the sense in the world. You know, if a woman were to tell her husband, I'm pregnant, and then the husband believes her, as, as he should, he at the same time is saying, I'm disbelieving everybody else who tells me the contrary. So he hears from his wife that she is pregnant. He then goes to his neighbor, and his neighbor tells him, your wife is not pregnant. He's going to tell his neighbor, you're wrong. It's not as if, well, for you, my wife is not pregnant, but for my wife and myself, she is pregnant. No, it's, she either is or she isn't. And so when God tells us a message, and we accept that message as true, we're saying everything that contradicts that message is false, is wrong, is incorrect. We cannot follow Christ and be relativists. Our Lord himself said that he was the only gate through which we could enter to become part of the sheepfold. And Peter, a little bit after this homily he preaches today in the first reading, he's going to get arrested because he was preaching that there is no other name under, under heaven by which men can be saved than Jesus Christ. Salvation is found in no one else besides him. Now, most of us have probably been infected to a certain extent by this relativistic mentality. For example, if somebody were to come up to you and say, uh, don't force your beliefs upon anybody else. You know, most of us would probably say that makes sense. And to a certain extent, there's some truth to it, right? You know, we don't force people to convert with the point of a sword or a gun. So there is a need for respect, for freedom. The Second Vatican Council talks about that. But at the same time, we know there are things we should encourage people to do and to not do. So if I have a friend, for example, who is watching pornography, I should encourage him to not watch that stuff. If I know somebody who is planning on leaving his wife and children because he's like interested in somebody else, 
I should push my views on that person. I should encourage that person to not leave his wife and his children. Like, that is bad. Regardless of what he thinks about it, it's not something which should happen. And the relativism that afflicts our current culture isn't exactly new either. It was around in St. Elizabeth Ann Seton's time as well. She was um, in this quarantine with her husband. The Italian captain in charge of the quarantine tower, prison of a, of a sort, one time told her that all religions are good. Your religion is as good as mine. And she recoiled at the thought of that and she rebuked the captain accordingly. If we look at her very conversion, it shows that she was not a relativist. Like she, it was a big deal as to what faith she adhered to. She did not convert just on a whim, but she made great sacrifices in order to adhere to what she saw as the truth. And then after she converted, she tried to bring other people to that truth as well. And there were people, there were contemporaries of her that said, no, no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't try and push your views on other people. You know, it's fine if you want to convert, but don't try and make anybody else Catholic. But she wouldn't have any of that. She continued to find ways to subtly bring people to the faith. So she was not a relativist at all. And saints never are, because Christianity is completely contrary to relativism. We do not imagine that we can just make things up. When we accept the faith, we accept that God has told us certain things to be true. We know certain things as fact. For example, through our faith, we know that we were created for a certain purpose. We were created for love for God. Sin separated us from that purpose, and Jesus came to reconcile us with that purpose. If anybody says the contrary, they're wrong. Also, we know with our faith that certain behaviors and actions and beliefs are harmful to us, just like the way that poison can be harmful to our bodies. And we also know that other beliefs and actions and practices are beneficial to our bodies, just like exercise and healthy eating is good for our bodies. And how do we know these things? We know these things because God told us about them through his messengers, through the people he has sent to bring us the good news, to bring us the saving truth of the gospel. And the church has been charged, has been given the responsibility of promulgating this message, of promulgating these truths that we all need to believe in, and also keeping them safe from any kind of corruption that might come upon them. So if we accept both these things to be true, if we accept that, okay, God is telling us some objective truths that we should believe in, and he's using messengers to spread that truth, there are three things we need to do. First of all, we need to listen more attentively to the messengers. Because we should never be satisfied with simply, think, but with simply imagining we know enough of our faith. We know enough about what God has to say, like, I got it figured out, I'm covered. You know, it's, it's great what we learned in catechism, but there is so much more. The faith is so rich. We need to invest. We need to study. We need to read. We need to go to the messengers and listen to them. We need to go to the saints. We need to go to scriptures. We need to go to the popes. We need to hear the word that our Lord has to say to us. Second, we need to, so first of all, we need to listen better. The second thing that we need to do 
is we need to be better messengers. Because it's not as if the only people who are messengers are those people with Roman collars or the people that have halos around their heads. Often people with Roman collars don't have halos, so we have to distinguish between the two of those. But every single person is called to be a messenger of God's. Is called to bring this good news, if nothing else, through their very example, their way of life. And very often the efficacy of the message in reaching people depends upon the instrument or the channel or the messenger. God can talk much more clearly through certain messengers than through others. And we experience this all the time. Like if I try and use a cell phone to call somebody that just went through the washing machine, I'm not going to be communicating very clearly with anybody. Or if Michelangelo tries to paint the Sistine Chapel with spray paint, he's not going to be able to make much of a masterpiece. If I try and compete in NASCAR with a Toyota Camry, I'm not going to be doing very well. I could be the best driver on the face of the earth, but if I have a Toyota Camry, I'm not going to be passing anybody. So too, God oftentimes will depend, or the, the capacity of his message to reach people will depend upon us. And that is a huge responsibility and a great dignity that we have that we are called to help promulgate that message, that saving truth. And the third thing we have to do, so we need to listen better, we need to be better messengers. The third thing we need to do is we need to pray that God will send more full-time messengers to his vineyard. Vocations to the priesthood, to the consecrated life. And very often in today's culture, it's challenging to hear the call of God. St. John Bosco said one time that one out of a hundred people has a vocation. One out of a thousand actually hears and, lists and responds to it. Nowadays, there's one priest for every four to five thousand Catholics. We need more ministers, we need more religious, and they need us to pray for them so that they might hear that call from God. So today on this Good Shepherd Sunday where we're praying for that special intention, let us call upon Our Lady that she might give us the ears to be more attentive to this message that comes from God and as well that those people that he's trying to call to be full-time messengers might promptly respond to his beckoning.